Well, good morning again. And uh, some good news, it is December. We're like in Christmas season now, right? Officially, we can say Merry Christmas, right? Merry Christmas. So my name is Steve, I'm one of the pastors here, and we get to begin our Christmas series. It's called Answering the Call. So uh, we'll start the way we should start. Ring, ring. Hello? May I speak with your father, please? Heck, you don't need my permission. Be my guest. What a weirdo. Ring, ring. So our series, uh, Answering the Call, and this morning our title is Out of Nowhere. And uh, opening question this morning, have you ever gotten an unexpected phone call that you did not want to answer? Anyone, can anyone relate to that? Unexpected phone call you don't want to answer. So uh, just want to, two things to mention. One is when God calls and it's unexpected, there's two things that we know for sure. One is it's probably not going to be easy. And two, but it is good. When God calls, it is probably not going to be easy, but it is good. Uh, quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls a person, he bids him come and die. That's, uh, it's not easy, is it? Uh, here's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. So it, it, anyone read the book or seen the movie? Uh, okay, so... There's this, uh, in the interaction in the, earlier in the, in the book or the movie between uh, the beavers and the four kids. Okay. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Jesus isn't safe but he is good. So the question we're answering this morning is, how can I say yes to God's unexpected call? We're looking at the example of Mary in Luke 1, to 38. So if you want to open your Bibles there or swipe there, the scriptures are also going to be on the screen. So number one, how can I say yes to God's unexpected call? Number one, say yes to the real me. So let's look at the first couple verses here, verses 26 to 27 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So a, a, few, a few things, three things, really. When? It was then. Where it was there, and who it was Mary. When, then, where, there, who, Mary. Everyone got that? So it says, in the sixth month. When? In the sixth month. There was a, this was a long time ago. This was about 2,000 years ago. Quite, quite a while ago. And where was this? In the city of Galilee, a named named. A, a, a city named Nazareth in Galilee. And who? 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, and her name was Mary. When, then, where, there, who, Mary? And so we read scripture, and oftentimes we, we, we read scripture, and we hear these stories of old. Oh, that's so distant past, way long ago. How does that connect to me? And I would, I would like to suggest that, that we consider not the when then, but the when now. And not the where there, but the where here. And not the who Mary, but the, the who me. Because yes, this happened way back then and way over there and to not me, but Mary. But isn't it true that God is at work now? here, and could he call us? We make a mistake to think that, oh, all all of God's work, it's all way back then, and not the here and now. And the biggest mistake was, we think, oh, not me. Who Who does God call? Oh, not me. No, no, I'm not worthy But here's some really good news. God's calling on your life is not about who you are. It's about who he is. We often get stuck in this thinking that, oh, well, God can only use certain kinds of people. He can only call certain kinds of people. Like, for example, God can only use, only call rich people. Or maybe, oh, he can only, oh, God can only use powerful people. People who have power in this world. Or or maybe influential people. God can only, God can only use influential people. Or how about, God can only use smart people. And I'm not smart, so God could never, God can never use me. Or here's a pretty common one. God can only use holy people. God can only use people who are special and perfect and I'm I'm too broken, I'm too sinful, I'm too messed up. Or how about this one? God can only use strong people. I just want to leave that one up on the screen for a while for us to enjoy. (laughs) How about another one? God can only use good-looking people. There's a great verse in 1 Corinthians 127. It says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God can and does use people like me and you. James 4.10 says this, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. You may have heard this before. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. Isn't that a great saying? Here's from Brother Andrew. God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their availability. Availability. 
So often we get stuck into this thinking that I'm just not good enough for God to use. Hebrews chapter 11 is commonly known as the chapter of faith. And I want to read a, a, a list of phrases from Hebrews chapter 11. And it's all about faith. People who were available to be a part of what God invited them into. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear, constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith, through faith, through faith. And Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith. Faith says, God, here I am. I'm available. In the words of Isaiah 6.8, Here I am. Send me. Lord, here I am. Send me. When me. May we be a people who see that it's not about us, but it's about God. And he can use even me. All right, number two. How can I say yes to God's unexpected call? Say yes to the gift. So verses 28 to 30. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That word favor, favored one. Greetings, O favored one. And for you have found favor with God. What does that word mean, favor? Something kind of cool, it's, it's uh, the root of that word is the Greek word charis, which is grace. Is the Greek word translated as grace or gift? The angel is telling Mary that she's, she's being given a gift, a grace. 
It's funny, when we, think of, when we think of experiencing the grace of God or the favor of God, what do we think of? We, we, we might think of, oh, the favor of God is having an easy life. Was Mary's life an easy life? No. Or we might think the favor of God is living a comfortable life or pain-free life. Or maybe some people think it means a wealthy life or a a fun life. Was Mary's life a comfortable, pain-free, or wealthy, or fun life? No. What does it mean to be favored by God? What is the gift of God? In Jesus, the gift of God is, I think, of three things. It's the forgiven life. The Bible says that in Jesus we have forgiveness. It's not, it's not from ourselves, but it's a gift from God. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the gift of Jesus is also a fulfilling life. Not an easy life, but a fulfilling life. Because being in the center of God's will is the most fulfilling life that we could ever experience. And forever life. The gift of forever life is the gift of of life that never ends. Even when this body is dead, And one day, it will certainly be dead. But the the, the Bible says that we are more than our fleshly bodies and that we have eternal life with God and that we will get new and glorious bodies. Forgiven life, fulfilling life, forever life. That's what the gift is. In John 4.10, the story of the woman at the well, Jesus says to the, the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And later we learn that that living water, that is the Holy Spirit welling up within us. The gift of God, Jesus is the gift of God. Intimacy with God is the gift of God. Do we say yes to the gift of God? Have you said your first yes to the gift of God? Have you said your first yes to forgiven, fulfilling, and forever life? Jesus, I trust you that you died for me. I trust you that you love me and that you created me for a purpose, and that's to live in relationship with you and fulfilling life. I want it. I trust you. I surrender. And forever life, I want it. I trust you that you give me forever life. Have you said yes to Jesus for the first time? And maybe this morning is the second yes, or the third yes, or the 52nd yes, or the 133rd yes, or the 1,562nd yes, right? 
over and over and over again we say yes to Jesus because Jesus is where life is at. Because Jesus, knowing Jesus, is where life is at. With me, that's the promise of Christmas, right? With me, Emmanuel, God with us. And in verse 28, again, it says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. God is with you. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. It's that God is with us in Jesus. Famous verse in Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. C.S. Lewis says this, Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. A.W. Tozer says this, I want the presence of God himself, or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any. Is it not true that so many people settle for less? So many people choose to settle for religion. To settle for just going through the motions. To settle for doing the doing the Christian thing. Do you want to be, do you want to be a person that says, I, I don't want religion. I don't want rules. I want the real thing. I, wasn't, I, I want the presence of God himself. All right, number three, how can I say yes to God's unexpected call? Say yes to his purposes. Verses 31 to 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Notice the you will and the you shall. In verse 31, it says, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And then it says, and you shall call his name Jesus. And God's great purpose that he invites Mary into, he's got the you will and the you shall. And Mary says yes to his purposes. Isaiah 26.4 says this, Trust in the Lord forever. 
for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. To trust him is to obey him. To trust him is to say, God, what you say you will do, I believe you, that you will do it, and I will make my life on it. When God invites us into his story, there's always a God will and a we shall. And notice, notice that the God will is the hard part. God, the God will is the miracle. And the we shall for Mary, the, the we shall was giving him his name. That's not too hard, is it? Put that name on the birth certificate. By the way, the name Jesus, do you know what that means? Jesus means the Lord saves. Comes from the root Heshua. The Lord saves. That's what Mary is invited into, is God's great purpose of bringing salvation. The whole history, the whole history of the world, the Old Testament, the New Testament, is all about one thing, God redeeming a people for himself, God bringing salvation to humankind, God bringing people back into a relationship with himself. That's his great purpose. His purpose is that we would know him. His purpose is that we would be reconciled to him. His purpose is that we would be brought near to him. There's a great verse in First Peter. It says this in First Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. You think about Mary and talking with this angel, and this angel's like, you're going you're gonna to give birth to a, a boy and name him Jesus, the Lord saves, and he's going to be on the throne of King David forever. How much should Mary understand? She probably didn't get it that he was going to die. But that was God's great purpose, to send a savior to the world. And he chose Mary to be a part of that story. That he might bring us to God. We get to celebrate that this morning, that Jesus brings us near to God. And we get to share that uh, communion right now to celebrate Jesus' death on a cross so that we could be brought near to God. So I'd invite you to take out your communion elements. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And then after the meal, Jesus took the cup 
And he said to his disciples, this cup, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for, the, for you. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we, we remember, we remember right now, as you told us to remember, that you gave up your body and shed your blood for me, that I, could, that I could know you, that I could be brought back into a relationship with you, that I could be forgiven, that we could be your people, that we could be your forgiven people. Thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The great purpose. The great, the great purpose that Mary got to be part of the great purpose of, of bringing the Savior into the world. And isn't that not true that we also get to be part of that great purpose? The great purpose is not just that we would know him, but that we would be able to be a part of the story of making him known. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20, it says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We, you, me, we are Christ's ambassadors. We bring the good news of the gospel to the people in our lives. And that's something so cool to recognize is that I have people in my life and they're not in your life. They're in my life. God is calling me to present and to be the gospel to them. God is inviting me to be an ambassador for him and their life. He's not calling you because those, that's the life that, that God's given me. Those are the influences that God has given me. But of course, that also is true that God has put people in your life that aren't in my life. And God is calling you to be an ambassador of Christ in their lives. We are all called to make Jesus known. We are all called to know him. We are all invited to know Jesus and we're all called and invited into helping to make Jesus known. And the world needs, the world needs that done in each of our unique ways. I'm not you and you're not me. And you're like, amen to that. <laughs> John, uh, 
John 16, 15, Jesus says this, You didn't choose me, I chose you, and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. God has appointed you and chosen you to produce lasting fruit. In 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. All right, number four, how can I say yes to God's unexpected call? Say yes to trusting him. Verses 34 to 38, we read, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? That's a great question, isn't it? It's like, it's going to need a miracle. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative is Elizabeth, and her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, has, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So I want to highlight three things here. First is the Holy Spirit how. Yes, the Holy Spirit, how? So look at verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be? I don't get it. You're saying you're going to do something and you're going to use me, but God, I can't do that. I can't. How is it going to happen? And look at the answer. The, Holy, the, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will, will come upon you. That's the Holy Spirit, How? Is that not your story and my story? That God says, I want to do something through you, and we're like, I can't do that. And God says, I know. I didn't ask you to do it without me because it's the Holy Spirit how. And then there's the let it be to me. Look at verse 30, uh, 38. Verse 38. But Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. That's what trust looks like, isn't it? God invites us into something that we're like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I don't know how this is going to happen. And God says, it's the Holy Spirit how? And we go, oh, okay. Well then, let it be. There should be a song like that, by the way. And then comes the real trust. And very end of verse 38. And then the angel departed from her. Think with me for a moment. What must have this experience been like for Mary? I mean, this, this experience that we, we just read about. An angel shows up. obvious angel saying, I'm going to do a miracle and you know how this Messiah you've been waiting for? Well, you're going to give birth to him. There's going to be a bunch of really important stuff in the grand scheme of things happening 
and Mary, you're a part of it. What is Mary thinking? What is Mary thinking right now? Like an angel's right, oh my, wow. This is, if anything is a mountaintop high, mountain top, mountain high top, whatever that is, is that experience, right? This is craziness. And then we look at verses 38, and it says, and the angel departed from her. We kind of wonder, what did, what did Mary do then? What should she do the next day? What did she do the next day? And then what did she do the next day? And the day after that, and the day after that, I, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty confident we can say that, you know what she did? She went back to doing life. She went back to making dinner for her family, going shopping for groceries. She went back to drawing, wa- getting water for her family, cleaning house, went back to hanging out with friends, being with family, went back to doing life. And that's when the real, that's when the real trust comes, isn't it? Have you had one of those mountaintop experiences with God? And you look back and you go, ah, oh, wish I had one of those again. But is it not true that God calls us to the real trust? To carry on trusting him day in, day out, doing regular life. Closing question, what does it look like for you to answer God's call these days? What does that look like? In closing quote, C.S. Lewis in the, the book, The Silver Chair. You would not have called to me unless I had been calling to you. Called the lion. And then I want to close in a verse from, uh, from Romans 8.28, a familiar and wonderful verse. And we know that for those who love God, All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Would you please stand with me as we close in prayer? Jesus, thank you for this Christmas season. And we want to be a people who answer the call. We want to be a people who say yes to you right here, right now. The real me. I want to be a person who says yes to your gift of life. Forgiven life, fulfilling life, forever life. I want to be a person who says yes to your purposes. Because your purposes are good. I want to be a person who says yes to you. Trusting you. Because you, Jesus, are where life is at. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.